All right, so today we're going to be talking in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be talking about a life full of faith. So imagine two letters, okay? The first letter at the post office is very impeccably typed, beautifully written. Oh, much better, thank you. Um, no misspell words, no smudges. It's on um, linen stationery, just beautifully written, no misspelled words, anything. A second letter at the same post office is very sloppily written, if that's a word. It's written in pencil, it's got smudges, fingerprints, um, full of misspelled words. But the thing is, that one has a stamp. The first one did not have a stamp. All right? So which one do you think is actually going to get delivered? The one with the stamp or the one without the stamp? Obviously the one with the stamp, okay? So some prayers that you hear from people are very beautiful, eloquently crisp, but they never make it to heaven because they lack the stamp of faith. I want to talk to you today about the prayer that gets delivered. Um, there's a great preacher by the name of Adrian Rogers out there. He says that if you pray and believe, you'll receive. Pray and doubt, and you'll do without. In Matthew 9, 29, it says, According to your faith, let it be done to you. Not according to your friends, not according to your fame, not according to anything else in life, but according to your faith. You know what these days call for? They call for an earth-shaking, mountain-moving, devil-defying, almighty God. You can imagine in these, this pandemic that's going on and everything else that's going on. We need that almighty God. Not only do we need to possess a faith, but we need a faith that will possess us. And today, that's the type of faith we're going to talk about. There's a, um, a fellow by the name of Archimedes. He is a mathematician and phys physicist that lived in another age. But he said something remarkable. He said, give me a lever and a fulcrum to place it on and a place to stand and I can move the world. Faith is that lever. The Bible is the fulcrum. And if we stand upon Jesus, we can move both heaven and earth by believing in our Lord. And I'm here to tell you now that God teaches us different things in different times of your life. And this is something that he's been teaching me. Hebrews 10.38, oh, by the way, we're in Hebrews chapter 11, if I didn't mention that. Hebrews 10.38 says, a quotation of Habakkuk 2.4. Habakkuk lived in a time of violence and apostasy. Apostasy is a uh, churchy word for rejection of Christ. And he was also very confused about some of the things that were going on. He sought God, looking for an explanation for some of the things that he saw around him. God assured Habakkuk that he was at work and that Habakkuk's responsibility was to live by faith. Just like Habakkuk, we are not to live by explanations. We are here to live by faith. So I want to tell you another story of a guy by the name of Brybakkuk, or Brian. Um, on, he lived in a time of violence and apostasy. Uh, he was very confused. He sought God looking for explanations for the things that he saw. Uh, but God assured Brybakic that he was at work and the responsibility was mine to live by faith. So on April the 17th of this year, I started getting flu-like symptoms. On April the 21st, I was diagnosed with COVID-19. I spent the next 42 days 
in isolation because I was very early on in this pandemic. Uh, they really weren't sure uh, about how contagious it was, how contagious I was to other people. Um, I was, think, number six in the state to get it. That's how early upon it was. Um, my symptoms started getting worse and worse. My oxygen saturation levels dropped dangerously low. I was advised by my doctor on April the 29th to go to the emergency room because they were dangerously low. As we're driving to the hospital, my wife and I both had the realization that this could be the last time we ever see each other. As sick as I was, she was not allowed to go into the hospital. As we're riding in the truck, we both have our mask on, and it was eerily silent. What do you say to this, the love of your life sitting right next to you that you can't touch, that you can't hug? What do you tell them that may be the last words they ever hear? Well, mine were, I love you. As I got out of the truck and walked into the ER and just trying not to break down because I just wanted to be strong for her. I did not want her to see any weakness on my side. Of course, once it got past the doors, that's a different story. But fortunately, that was not the end. That's the good news, okay? Uh, we uh, still went on to fight at the battle a little bit longer. Um, but as I went back home later that afternoon, they sent me back home because my oxygen levels got back up. Um, as I'm laying there wondering, what are you doing, God? <laughs> you know, I'm doing my best to follow you in faith. But then it dawned on me, why am I worrying? Why am I worried about tomorrow? Either God's going to heal me on this earth or he's going to heal me in heaven. One way or another, he's going to be glorified through it all, right? The reason we worry a lot of times is because of a lack of faith. When that starts to creep in, when we start to have that lack of faith, um, according to Adrian Rogers, he says, worry is a mild form of atheism. I thought that was kind of a big deal because um, when we worry, we're saying that our problem is too big for God and that God can't handle this problem at all. Um, worry is faith turned inside out. Faith is worry turned inside out. We want to have our faith get rid of the worry. Faith makes us real. I'm sorry. Faith makes God real to us. And faith is the cure for worry, loneliness, and guilt. Faith is my acceptance of God's acceptance of me. Let me say that one again. Faith is my acceptance of God's acceptance of me. And Romans 5 one says, Therefore, since you have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. Think about that for a second. What would having peace in your life look like? For me, in my 12 by 12 bedroom that I stayed, looking out the window, waving at friends, my peace was knowing that God was going to be glorified through this, that God was going to get the credit for healing me one way or another. I know this to be true. Um, I'm not technically done with COVID yet. I'm still dealing with some after effects, but you know what? He's going to be glorified one way or another, and I believe that. So now let's transition to our Bibles. Uh, go ahead and open up to Hebrews 11. We're going to read uh, 1 through uh, 6 here. 
Now faith, by the way, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. I'm going to reference a couple of different translations. But the New American Standard says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. <clears throat> Excuse me. For he obtained the witness, for, for before he was being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, let me say that again, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder for those who seek him. The rest of that chapter goes on to talk about um, Noah and Abraham, by faith this, by faith this, by faith this. And it's like the, the hall of fame for people who are faithful. All right, so if you have some time, go ahead and read the rest of that. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the description of faith, verses 1 and 2. First off, I want to talk a little bit about what faith is, and you'll find the definition there in verse 1. It, in this particular translation, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That comes from the King James Version. Um, the ESV says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. Now, if I was going to be a Bible translator, which I'm not, nowhere near it, the Brian slightly altered version would say, now faith is the substance and assurance of things hoped for, the evidence and conviction of things not seen. So what is faith? Okay, it's not the little boy says believing in what you, ain't, when you, what you know ain't true. That, that's not the definition of faith. Nor is faith a uh, feeling of optimism or a positive attitude. Now, I like a positive attitude. I like being around people with positive attitudes. I don't like negative people. Uh, there are some negative people who can just brighten up a room by leaving. Okay? So, but, you know, those people, I, I just, I don't want to be around them. Obviously, I have to deal with them because of the nature of what I do, but I try to influence them with a positive outlook in life. There's other people in, in this world, like Mike and James, that I just love being around because they have such positive attitudes. They know... Um, I guess the silver linings of things, but there's more to faith than just having that positive attitude. According to this, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word substance in our English language is much like the one in the Bible here. Sub, something below, stance, something you can stand on that's not going to move. And I love this because it didn't move. You know, <laughs> the other day I stomped and the whole room kind of moved. Uh, but this is, this, is what's, this is what I'm talking about. This is the faith we can stand on. All right, it's not smoking mirrors, it's not walking on eggshells, it's not um, anything of this earth. Faith is uh, spiritual concrete and steel, and that is the substance for standing upon. Faith is the substance for things hoped for. Now, when the Bible speaks of hope here, it doesn't talk about um, the, the, the type of hope where uh, a young lady or young man hopes to get married one day. Okay, this is the hope that means it's a rock-solid assurance based upon a word from God. 
All right? Titus 2.13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The second coming is called the blessed hope. That doesn't mean the blessed maybe or the blessed it might happen. It means a rock-solid assurance that he is coming back. Amen? Yes, he is coming back again, hopefully soon, because I can't afford three weddings. So, that being said, he is coming back soon. So let's talk about the dynamics of a life of faith. That comes in verses 3 through 6. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen is not made out of things which are visible. Through faith we understand that the world was framed by the word of God. The visible was made out of the invisible. Let's say that again another way. This earth was made by someone we can't see. All right? These chairs were made by someone we cannot see. Obviously, he gave the idea to someone and they created the chair, but the idea was God's. All right? He asked um, the Bible, I'm sorry, God in the Bible is not explained, it is not argued, it is simply presented. Okay? This is not a court case where one person presents one side, one person presents the other, the Bible is presented here for all to read, for all to have. That faith is there. He asked Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? God is something that must be accepted by faith. Never try to prove that there is a God. It's impossible for us to try to do that. The, the finite cannot prove the infinite. Okay? We as finite people cannot prove something that's infinite. Um, but the interesting thing is you can't disprove either. And I've, uh, there may be people out there, but I have never heard of anyone who has tried to disprove God that has not come to, Christ, um, come to Christ. I'm sure there's people out there, but if you've talked to people that are um, intellectuals, scientific people, scientists, and you tell them, okay, go and try to prove there's not a God. I can't think of a single one that I've talked to that have not come back and accepted Christ. I'm sure there are, but I have not heard of it, and I want to keep it that way, so don't tell me. All right? Verse 6, all people are believers. There are those who believe in God and those who believe there is no God. One thing that we have as believers We've got substantial evidence to support our decision. David penned in Psalms 14.1, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Um, there's a lady by the name of Madeline O'Hare. She complained that Christians have two holidays, Easter and Christmas, and she believed that atheists needed a holiday. I completely agree. I think April 1st is perfect. So... We're going to talk about now the spiritual dynamic of spiritual... I'm sorry. The faith is dynamic of spiritual worship. The first one was spiritual wisdom. I kind of skipped over that part. Sorry. The second point is spiritual worship. Faith, without faith, you cannot please God. The way to please God is to believe in God. And God is under no obligation to prove himself to you. God does not want robots. He wants genuine, faithful relationships with each one of us. Okay, He wants us to want him. 
Make sense? He wants us. He wants that relationship. Faith is not a response to proof or what God can do. Faith is a response to who he is, to his character. John 20, 29 is about Thomas. We all know Thomas, right? The doubter. Because you have seen, you believe, Jesus said to Thomas. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. We don't get that privilege of getting to see Christ on the cross and come down and rise again. We have to believe in our hearts that that happens. Faith is the heart's response to the character of God. Jesus did not come to earth in any special way. Think about it. He is the God of the universe, the ultimate king. He did not come down in fanfare or anything like that. He was, there was really nothing special about his birth. If you lined up 10 babies of that time, you couldn't have picked him out. If you think about it, when Judas went to the garden, he had to point out who Jesus was to the guards because he was that normal, that regular. Okay? There was no outward extravagance or beauty, yet in him was all the glory of heaven, the serenity, the majesty, the purity, and character of God in human flesh. But he chose to be ordinary. When he performed his miracles, did he call a crowd around? You know, if we're in the South, y'all come now. Yeah, did he do that? No. And then what did he tell him after he did the miracles? Shh. Don't tell anybody. Because he wanted God to have the glory for that. He didn't want that. When we open our, when our eyes are right, we respond to light. When our ears are right, we respond to sound. When our heart is right, it responds to God in faith. The sin that's in our life. Unbelief never comes out of the head. It always comes out of the heart. Remember what we just read in Psalms from David? The fool said, in his heart, there is no God. Faith honors God and God honors faith. So we talked about spiritual wisdom. We talked about spiritual worship. Now we have spiritual wealth. That comes in the part B of uh, verse 6. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, what's that reward look like? We're all going to get Ferraris? I'll take one. No, I don't think that's the case. Um, does it mean that he won't give you the desires of your heart? Depends on if you ask with the right motivations. You know, whatever that is. I believe the rewards are in heaven. Why not both? It's unknown at that point. Matthew twenty twenty nine says, According to your faith, let it be done. Faith is the medium of exchange in the kingdom of heaven. You do not have because you do not ask, or you do not ask with the right motivations, according to James 2, 1. So we've talked about the description, the dynamics. Now we're going to talk about the destination of a life of faith. This comes in 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin of which easily entangles us, and let us run with the endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured so such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What's our target in a life of faith? What is our goal with a life of faith? One definition says to find, follow, and finish the will of God. Kyle, what's your will for God? Bob, you know yours? Peace, that's a good one. Everybody's different. Everybody has, God has a will for every single person in this room. Every person. They could all be different. They could be very similar. We don't know that. But your job is to figure that out and follow it. And then to finish it. Does it mean that we actually have a finish line? Not necessarily. Because I found in my life what I thought the will of God depends is at one point my life has changed to a different thing. The will of God in your life depends upon where you are spiritually. Right? So there's, there's five targets here I want you to be aware of. How to arrive at the target of faith. Be motivated by the saints around us. Be around that cloud of witnesses. Be around other believers who are going to encourage you in the direction of where God's will is. Share what you believe God's will in your life is with another brother or sister and help them and allow them to encourage you to do it. Even if it doesn't sound like anything that could be at all possible. We are only limited. God's only limit in our life is our imagination. Okay? Think in your mind the greatest thing that you would love to see for God and go do it. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? There's a big one. Oh, wow. What would I do? Hmm. Everybody's different, but be motivated by it. Be separated from the surplus that's in your life or the sin in your life. All right. Many of us carry a lot of extra weight and burdens. Um, I'm going to get real with you for a second. One of the burdens I carry in my life is things I've done in my past. All right. I wasn't always a pastor. All right. Just laying that out there. But one of my saintly friends, one of my best friends, he is one of my mentors, told me, you know what? My past caught up with me and did not know who I was. I was like, wow, that's pretty good. And obviously I've never forgot it. That was several years ago, 12 plus years ago. But the thing is, though, Satan likes to bring those things up. Those are baggage on your body. Those are baggage in your spiritual walk. Chunk them, get rid of them, throw them away. We need to mature past the kindergarten stage asking if a thing is right or wrong, lawful or unlawful. We must mature to the point where if we ask something, if is it a weight or a wing? Is it something that's going to help us fly and soar like eagles? Or is it going to be that weight that brings you down? Get rid of the weights. Never replace a wing with a weight. Right? Thirdly, be liberated from the snares beneath us. The word beset in this particular passage means to entangle. When uh, running a race, we need to ask ourselves, what are some things that are tripping us up and make us fall? The great enemy of faith is sin. All right? The Bible, in the Bible, repentance always comes before faith. 
repent of our sin, ask God to give us the faith we need. Hebrews 3.12 talks about that. Number four, be activated for the race before us. Patience. Oh, I hate that word. I'm probably the most impatient person you'll ever meet. I'm like, Lord Jesus, please give me patience and give them to me now. Yeah, that never works. And by the way, don't ever pray for patience because he's going to give you trials to develop your patience. Not always fun. God does business with those who do business with him. Meaning if we have something in our life that we're struggling with, we need to talk with him directly because he's the one that can fix it. We can't fix other people. That's not our job. Okay, wives, can't fix your husband. Husbands, can't fix your wife. That's God's job. You can pray for your spouse. That's your job. Okay? Be dedicated to the Savior above us. Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on upon Jesus, the author, the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God, at the right hand of, uh, right hand of the throne of God. Be dedicated to God, not God and. Be dedicated to God. Let him guide your life. Um, it is not great faith in God that we need, but faith in a great God. All right, let me say that again. It is not a great faith in God we need, but we need faith in a great God. God is great. God is amazing. And in, in, in the little things in our lives that we, we get to just get to see tiny, tiny things that he does are amazing. Of looking, just got to open up and see. Faith is the byproduct of looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith, we can exist without faith, but we truly cannot live without it. Does that make sense? We can have a life without it, but it's not much of a life. That faith is what grows us towards him and allows us to be closer to him. And, and when you're closer to him, your relationships with other people get much better. I've never, ever heard a spouse tell someone, I am so tired of him acting like Jesus. Never heard it. Don't think I ever will. So there's a bridge in, uh, at Niagara Falls. I read this story. It's kind of interesting. It talks about how they built that bridge. Okay? The first thing they did is they flew a kite with a string and flew it all the way across the falls. And then it went on the other side. They grabbed a string on it, and then they tied a cord on it, and then they pulled it back across. And once they got it back across, the cord across, they took, and they tied a rope to it. And then someone on the other side pulled the rope across, all the way across. They got to the other side, they took that rope, and they tied it to a cable. And then they pulled the cable back across. Next thing you know, you have multiple cables going across, and you've got the bridge. Start with flying a kite when you're building your faith. What does that look like for you? What does your kite moment look like? 
A lot of times we have to just take the little steps in our faith. Think about when they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They had to step right up to the water, but the waters wouldn't part till they put their toe in and then the waters parted. So where are you in your faith? Are you ready to put your foot in that water? Let it be said of us that we are faithful to the Lord and then the Lord helped us do it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for you, Lord. We thank you that we can have this faith that you talk about. We pray, Lord, that each one of us can grow in faith and grow closer to you and do great things in your name. We know that you do not need us at all. You know, we know that you have chosen to allow us to be a part of the work that you're doing, God. And we thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, that great revival would break out as a result.